Thank you for tuning in to part three of Mindfulness Made Easy. Here I'm just trying to deliver a few pointers uh, for mindfulness meditation, or really for most meditation practices. Uh, and I want to thank everyone for tuning into this. Uh, and I've been receiving quite a few emails, questions, and things like that. Please do keep those coming. Uh, you can find my email address on my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org. Always lovely to receive comments and questions. Uh, it lets me know that people are engaging with the teachings, which is the point. <laughs> okay, so if you've watched episode one and two of this, uh, you know that uh, body scanning is a big part of the practice, and I really uh, find it hard to emphasize the importance of body scanning enough. It's really, really quite important. In fact, there are two uh, other videos on the website uh, where I simply just talk about uh, the importance of body scanning. Very, very uh, important uh, practice. Grounding the awareness in the body. Now, when I give uh, teachings on body scanning, oftentimes people want to visualize their body while we go through the body. We generally scan from the top of the head to the bottoms of the feet. By the way, the reason why we go in that direction from the top of the head to the bottoms of the feet is that it uh, helps um, quiet the energy in the body. So we're going from the top down, so we're lowering the energy in the body. Um, that can help quiet the thoughts, allowing the thoughts to subside. However, if drowsiness or sleepiness is one of the obstacles in your own meditation practice, if you scan from the bottoms of the feet going up to the top of the head, that raises the energy in the body and the mind, so that can help keep one awake. But generally, I find that the busyness uh, of the mind, the overthinking, is more common of an obstacle, and so that's why I like to go from the top of the head down like that. Okay, so while we're body scanning, oftentimes people want to visualize their body. Actually, that's not productive for this practice. We want to get away from the tendency of visualization of the body when we body scan. And that is so because we're actually trying to feel the inside of the body, if you will, or feeling the energy in the body. So if we're visualizing the body, we're actually um, locking the body into the concept. This practice, we're actually trying to recover the sensations of the body from the conceptual mind. So allowing the visualizations to go, feeling the body at the top of the head, not visualizing the top of the head, but just feeling the energy at the top of the head, scanning through the back of the head, feeling the back of the neck, not visualizing the back of the neck, but actually feeling the back of the neck. So. I just give a little example of that. Uh, this, uh, I think many people have found this helpful. And so we just put our arms out, let, letting the hands dangle like that. I call this the Frankenstein pose for obvious reasons. So you can see, I hope this is good. Yeah, put your hands out like that, just letting them hang there at the end of the wrists. 
And as the hands are hanging there, don't visualize the hands. Don't think about the hands, but actually feel the hands hanging there. Just try to feel the inside of the hands. There might be a warmth in the palms of the hands or perhaps a tingling in the fingers. You might just feel the gravitational pull in the hands, that's fine. And if you begin to visualize the hands, just label that thinking, allowing those visualizations to go and coming back to feeling the energy in the hands. Okay, so if your arms are still up, you can put those down now. So hopefully that was able to elicit a sort of a feeling there and if really if you can just feel the hands existing at the end of the wrists that's it that's the idea and so we try to bring that awareness of existence through the entire body like that so again not visualizing the body but feeling the body from the inside out like that okay the second point that i want to talk about is uh, what i call the mindfulness circle now, uh, this has probably been used in many mindfulness teachers' teachings, but I have a little bit of a twist on it myself that I find to be quite helpful. Now, firstly, I designed it on a, on a Zen Enzo, which I find to be quite uh, aesthetically pleasing. Whoops, we want to get that away. There we go. Whoops. Let's see. How do we get out of that? Okay, here we go. Here we go. So I hope, hope everyone can see that. There. Okay, the Zen Enzo Mindfulness Circle. And so we start with the object of attention. That's up there at the top. And so uh, with mindfulness practice, the object of attention is generally the breath. Although it can also be the body and the sounds. That's how I like to teach it. We start with the breath, body, the sounds of the present moment. If breath and body are hard, you can, or it's difficult for some people to rest with the breath, rest with the body, start with the sounds, and then come back to the body and then the breath, so you can do it in the opposite direction. That's fine. In any case, let's just say we're using the breath. Breath is the object of attention. Then we get distracted. Our mind is oh, wow, I, I'm watching this mindfulness video, but I really should be grocery shopping. Wow, I have to go to the grocery store today. I can't believe I forgot to go to the grocery store yesterday. I'm, I'm out of eggs and I have to buy milk. Oh, my my brother really makes really great omelets with eggs. And I, well, I should call my brother. I haven't talked to my brother. <laughs> there, you're thinking. So that that's the distraction. So at six o'clock here, we recognize the distraction. That's when we say thinking. Oh, I'm thinking just recognizing the distraction. In that recognition, there is a return. You say, I'm thinking that awareness of the distraction dispels the distraction. Why? Because distraction is an unaware state. So awareness and unawareness can't coexist. Simple. So you say thinking, 
cancels out the distraction, allows that thought to go, then embrace the return. Feel what it feels like to come back to the present moment. You are distracted, your mind is closed down, you're just in that thinking process. You're wherever that thought takes you. You're no longer feeling the breath. You're no longer aware of the clothing on your skin. You're no longer hearing the sounds and the silence. You're just in that thought. It's a very contracted, closed, collapsed down experience. When you say thinking, poof, that thought goes and you actually open up. You come back to the breath, ah, feeling the body, allowing the body to rest noticing the sensations, hearing the birds singing, hearing the music coming from the neighbor, whatever it is, coming back to the present moment. It's this open, expansive ex experience. It feels good. So embracing the return means memorizing the difference between that closed down, contracted, heavy with thought experience and the open, resting, uh, wide vastness of the present moment experience. Noticing that difference, that's quite important. That's the embracing of the return. And then as we return, we start back again in the present moment, as I mentioned, the breath, the body, the sounds. Now, the great thing about the, the mindfulness diagram here, the circle, the Enzo, is that we start to see that this can be done not only with meditation, but it can be done anytime, all the time, with anything. Uh, let's take the example of um, doing computer work. So now the computer work is the object of attention, right? So we're doing typing, we're hearing the keys click, 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 click as we're typing, we're looking at the screen, we're paying close attention to what we're writing, each sentence making sense, no typos, in the present moment. Then my mind is, oh, I'm so glad it's Friday. I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's gonna be a great weekend going to the baseball game with my friends and maybe going to see that concert on Sunday. Wow, yeah, I've worked hard all week, so, oh, I'm distracted. That's recognizing the distraction. That's at six o'clock there, right? Once that recognition happens, those thoughts go. Embracing the return, feeling the breath, feeling the clothing on the skin, noticing the sound of the keys against the keyboard, returning back to what's being written on the screen, correcting any typos, embracing the return, noticing the difference between the collapse down thoughts about the weekend and the relief of being in the present moment. Then we start again, like that. Can be done with anything, washing the dishes, taking a shower, sweeping the floor, raking the leaves. Anything can be done in this mindfulness. And the great thing about that, put this away, the great thing about doing this in day-to-day -day life is that each time we recognize the dif difference between that collapsed down, distracted state and that open, present-a-moment awareness, each time we embrace that return, we've done another rep with the awareness barbell. We're lifting the awareness and attention weights, getting stronger with awareness, stronger with attention, more confident and resting in the present moment. So we are cultivating that awareness and attention in meditation with the breath, the body distracted, coming back. But now we can do it all the time, anytime, 
And so that might seem a bit much to try to do it all the time, every moment of every day, it's particularly if you're just beginning a practice like this. So what I often ask people who work with me one-on-one -on -one or, or people who I teach, uh, I ask them to pick one activity, just one. It can be, as I mentioned, washing the dishes or brushing your teeth. One activity that you do every day and do that activity with mindfulness and with this circle. And then do it for two weeks, keep a journal. Could be, you know, okay, so today I was washing the dishes and I felt the water on my hands and I was smelling the soap and then I got distracted. I was thinking about what I should cook for dinner tomorrow and that I have to go to the grocery store. Oh, and then I became aware again. I was able to let those thoughts go. I was able to come back see the dirt coming off the, the grease, coming off the dish, smelling the soap, hearing the water, seeing the trees out the window, and so forth. So writing it all down. Anything you remember after the experience. Could be maybe you start mindfulness of washing the dishes one day and you just forget and you're just in thought the whole time. No big deal. Write that down, let that go. Come back next time. Maybe you'll be more present next time, maybe not. But it is a practice. There will be days where you feel very present. There will be days where you feel very distracted. That's normal. But do write it down, keep a journal. After two weeks, go to another topic, another activity. Could be taking a shower. Again, keeping a journal for those two weeks. You don't have to add, so you wouldn't do dishes and then adding, taking a shower and then adding, brushing your teeth and then adding, driving to work. Uh, but just drop the first one, go to the second one, drop the second one, go to the third one. Your body, after two weeks, it'll be a, a bit of a habit anyway. Your body, your mind will remember how to be mindful in those situations. You don't have to uh, weigh it down uh, more and more like that. It'll just remember naturally. So eventually, six months, eight months, you will be mindful throughout the whole day. So just doing it in one task at a time, like that. So there's no hurry to get there. But six months, eight months, a year later, your whole day will be in present moment awareness. So I think that's all I want to say today. Uh, again, do keep those questions and comments coming. You can message me here on Facebook, on Instagram, Email me through my website, the website again, www.suchsweetthunder.org. And I'll ring the bell. Hi, thank you for tuning in and welcome to my second episode of Mindfulness Made Easy. Uh, now in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a few obstacles, how to overcome those obstacles, and one of the great benefits 
of mindfulness meditation practice, the benefit of pain management. A lot of questions about that recently. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is setting up a home practice. I often get the question, you know, it's great. They come and see me at a workshop or a clinic. I give a guided meditation and they ask, well, how can I bring this home with me? Okay. The first um, goal post, if you will, for a beginning uh, meditator is to make the practice consistent. Very important. The greatest benefit of meditation comes when we can practice on a daily basis. So that being the goal of the beginning practice, uh, it's fine just to meditate for five minutes a day, but to make sure you do do it every day. Now, everyone can find five minutes to meditate. It's quite easy to try carve just five minutes out of your schedule, get up five minutes earlier in the day, or uh, just make time to sit in a quiet place following the breath. And when thoughts come, you can label those thoughts thinking, which will allow the thoughts to go and you come back to the experience of the breath for five minutes like that. Now, that will eventually become quite comfortable. It might take a week or so. Uh, but then when it does become comfortable, bump the timer up to seven minutes. And do get a timer, by the way. Uh, I do recommend the Insight Meditation Timer. It's a free download and it's very easy to use. Insight Meditation Timer. Okay. Bump the timer up to seven minutes, do seven minutes. Do that for about a week or 10 days. And that will start to feel really comfortable. It'll start to feel that seven minutes isn't really enough time. Bump the timer up again to 10 minutes. And to do that for maybe a week, that will start to feel good. Then bump the timer up to 15 minutes. Now with a 15 minute time allotted for meditation, you should be able to do the breath and to do the full body scanning, more or less. Uh, again, watching thoughts come, letting them go, coming back to the present moment. The idea there is to allow the desire for the practice to grow organically. Very important. There are many teachers who tell students, many well-respected teachers who will tell students, oh, you should meditate a half an hour twice a day. And it might stick for a week or two, but more often than not, those people end up leaving the practice um, because the desire for it isn't there. They meditate for 10 minutes and then the rest of the 20 minutes they're looking at the timer, when is this gonna finish? When is this gonna finish? That's not healthy. Uh, it should never feel like a chore. And if even if you've set the timer for five minutes and you come and it feels like something you have to do rather than you want to do, maybe take the day off like that. It should never really feel like a chore. It always sh should feel like something you want to be doing. And then the time will grow uh, as the practice matures. You'll just start to organically, naturally, desire more time for meditation because it feels good. And the benefits are greater if you can sit for 
20 minutes, uh, the benefit of that meditation session will be uh, greater than a, the benefit of a five-minute meditation. So you start to notice more and more benefit uh, as the time expands. But again, just allowing that to mature organically on its own. Okay, now in the first video I also talked about getting discouraged by thoughts and how uh, we can circumvent that by knowing that the thoughts are really where the work is. The more we label the thoughts thinking, allowing the thoughts to go, the stronger we become in our awareness and attention. And that becomes uh, useful in the meditation practice. Now, I also want to point out that when we feel like, oh, I can't do this, my mind's too active, we are then practicing or emphasizing the results rather than practicing the method to get to the results. So again, using the analogy of the workout at the gym, if I hear the meditation bell ring and I just expect my mind to magically be quiet because a bell rang, <laughs> that then I'm practicing the results. I'm not doing the method to get to the results. The method is going into the meditation practice when the bell rings, and then each time a thought distracts us, we label that thought thinking, we come back to the present moment. Again, like lifting a weight each time we do that. So if I come to the meditation session, I ring the bell, and I just expect my mind to be quiet, that's like me going to the gym and looking at my arms and thinking, well, why aren't my arms big yet? <laughs> right? Because I haven't lifted any weights. That's Then I'm expecting the results without doing the method to get to the results. In mindfulness meditation, the method is observing the thoughts and letting the thoughts go, coming back to the present moment. Another thought will distract you, letting that thought go, coming back to the present moment. Another distra thought, distracting thought will come up, you let that thought go, come back to the present moment. Over and over again, eventually that gap in between the thoughts starts to become clearer and clearer. Going to the gym, doing reps, eventually the arms get larger and larger, and so forth. So it, again, very important to distinguish the method from the result. Practice the method to get to the result. Don't go to the meditation and just expect the results or practice the results without doing the method to get to the results. Okay, I think I've beaten that horse dead. <laughs> now, I mentioned one of the great, great benefits of this type of meditation practice, uh, and that is pain management. And so it works like this. We start with bringing awareness and attention to the breath, entering and leaving the nose, touching the back of the throat, the rib cage expanding and contracting. So really, experiencing all of the breath. And you'll notice we started small at the nose, awareness getting larger and larger. So it's this, pardon me, experience of awareness getting just slightly larger as we go through the practice. Then as we add the sensations of the body, now awareness is getting larger and larger and larger, experiencing all of the breath and all of the body all at the same time. And for clear instructions on all of that, go back to the first video and check that out. There's also a few guided meditations 
The practice is outlined in detail in my book too, Such Sweet Thunder. So if you're just tuning into this video, I'm kind of skipping ahead a bit. Okay, then we'll include the experience of sound as well. So breath, body, and sound. So awareness getting larger, 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 and larger as we go through the practice. So I like to use the example of a toothache. I had a, an infected gum about, a, I guess, almost two years ago now, but it was really tough. That was really painful. And if anybody out there has had toothaches, you know. Uh, it can be really all-encompassing, if you will. Uh, and so typical normal human awareness is usually about here. Uh, we're looking out at the world through our eyes. The world is out there. And our body just generally kind of dangles below us. It's kind of like a horse. And we're riding the horse from up here. That's the average human awareness. Now, with a consistent meditation practice like this one, that awareness is allowed to get larger and larger and larger and larger as we go through the practice and consistently stretch our awareness through the body, the breath, and the sounds. Okay, so the toothache, coming back to the toothache. The toothache is about this big. Now, when our awareness is that, that small, that toothache feels huge. It's all we can think about. When am I going to get to the dentist? When am I taking the next pain pill? How am I going to eat dinner? Uh, and so forth. All we can think about is how much that hurts. Now, when we allow awareness to gradually get larger and larger with a consistent meditation practice, that toothache is actually the same size, but it feels smaller and smaller because our awareness around it is getting larger and larger. So not only do I feel the toothache, but I also feel the sensations of the clothing on my skin, the weight of the body in the chair, the sunshine coming through the window, the neighbor knocking on the roof, whatever it is that's arising in the present moment, it's all allowed in. So we're not collapsed down as we would be habitually on the pain, the sensation of pain. So again, allowing awareness to expand out, expand out, expand out, the pain gets, seems like it gets smaller and smaller. It's actually the same size, but we're taking more and more of the present moment in with it. We don't repress the pain. We don't ignore it. We don't try to push it away. We actually honor the pain. We honor whatever is arising in the present moment, but it just seems a lot less um, intense uh, because we're also experiencing not only the pain, but the rest of the whole present moment at the same time. Now, that is a practice, and it does take some time to cultivate that. And just like in a yoga session, we come to yoga and we gradually stretch the muscles, stretch the tendons, get more and more flexible, more and more balanced uh, to handle the events in life that would knock us off balance. With this meditation practice, we gradually stretch our awareness larger and larger, growing, stretching, more flexible with our awareness so that when pain does arise, uh, we don't focus only on the pain, but we accept the pain. We accept the rest of the present moment as well. It could be seen as a radical acceptance of the present moment. 
So I just give a little example of that because some people find a visualization helpful. So let's say my awareness is the size of this bottle of water here. Hope everyone can see that. Okay, that's my normal everyday awareness before ever meditating. And I put maybe six dashes of salt in the bottle of water. And if I take a sip of that water, that's going to taste pretty salty, right? But let's say my awareness now, after practicing meditation for some time, uh, my awareness is the size of this room. Then I put the same amount of salt in that water. Uh, let's say my awareness is a bucket of water the size of this room. Go back. Maybe I can fix that in the edit. <laughs> I, so I have a, a bucket of water the size of this room, and that's my awareness. And I put the same amount of salt in that bucket of water. You won't notice the salt at all. It's the same idea with this pain management technique. I have a toothache. I have a broken wrist. I have a pulled tendon in my ankle. I have arthritis pain, whatever it is, chronic pain. Uh, gradually expanding out, expanding out, expanding out to include all of what's arising in the present moment. The pain, the music coming from the neighbor, the sunshine coming from the window, the birds are singing, clothing on my skin, weight to the body in the chair, breath coming through my body. It's all included. So that's how that works. And it works equally as well with physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. So I hope you all find all of this beneficial. Uh, for more information about any of this, you can visit my website, uh, www.suchsweetthunder.org. Um, also, if there are ever any questions about meditation, anything you've seen in my writings that you'd like to ask me about, always feel free to email me. Uh, my email information, my contact information is all on the website as well. Thank you very much, and I'll just ring the bell here to close. So, beginning meditation. When we start the meditation practice, we bring our awareness and attention to aspects of the present moment that are with us all of the time. But our mind is generally too active to embrace them. And we do that by starting with the sensations of the breath, entering the nose and leaving the nose. Just noticing all of the subtle sensations there as the air passes in and out. And then we add the experience of the breath touching the back of the throat, adding the experience of the rib cage, expanding and contracting with each breath, the abdomen rising and falling. You might notice the back moving with each breath, the shoulders rising as you inhale and falling as you exhale. Perhaps also noticing the body straightening up slightly 
as you breathe in and leaning forward slightly as you breathe out. And so really allowing ourselves to rest in the experience of the entire breathing process. You notice we started small with the breath entering the nose and leaving the nose, right? And then we add more experience, the breath touching the back of the throat. And then we add again the rib cage expanding and contracting. So it's this experience of awareness starting small here and getting slightly larger as the presentation or as the uh, meditation rather unfolds. And so then we just rest with the breath for a few breaths, maybe three, four, five, ten. Doesn't matter how long you rest there. But when you're ready, add the experience of the body to the meditation. And we do this by what's called body scanning. And we start from the top of the head and we scan through to the bottoms of the feet. Again, adding more and more sensory experience to the meditation practice, allowing awareness to again expand larger and larger and larger as we go through the practice, always adding more and more. And as we go through the body, experiencing the body, we'll be inviting the muscles in the body to rest, relax and grow soft, letting any tension or stress that might be held in the body go. Now it's very likely that you'll come to an area of the body that it has a lot of stress, that's quite tense. The body doesn't want to let that go. That's normal. It's not a sign that you're doing the practice wrong in any way. But we can't force relaxation, right? When you try to push a muscle to relax, it just causes more tension there. So just notice the areas of the body that have a lot of stress, that have a lot of tension, and keep going through the body scanning practice like that until you get to the bottoms of the feet. Now, I want to mention here that it's uh, an often uh, misperceived concept <laughs> that we want to visualize the body while we're doing the body scanning. It's not exactly it. In fact, we want to drop any visualization at all and just feel the energy inside the body or feel the inside of the body. And so you do that by dropping the visualization and just feeling that body part as it exists. Now it might help if you're, if you're uh, able to feel the sensations of clothing resting on that area of the body, that can help as well like that. But we don't want to visualize the body because Visualizing the body reinforces the conceptual idea of the body. We're trying to actually reclaim the experience of the body from the conceptual mind. So we want to drop that and then bring our awareness back to the actual experience of the body itself. Very important. Okay. Ideally, at that point in the practice, feeling the breath, feeling the body, uh, now that's a lot of sensory experience to hold in awareness all at the same time. So you might notice that awareness is shifting around from sensation here to sensation there. It might be an itch in the shoulder, an ache in the knee, perhaps your foot falling asleep, whatever it is. Something grabs your awareness. That's normal too. If 
you notice that happening, just allow awareness to then expand back out uh, from what you're focused on to include all of the sensations of the breath and body all at the same time as one experience. And so then we just rest there with the breath and the body. And we can rest for five breaths, ten breaths, however long feels good for you. And then include the experience of sound into the present moment experience, noticing any sounds that might be arising. And we don't focus on any one sound in particular, but rather allowing our awareness to experience the entire field of sounds, hearing all of the sounds all at the same time. Now, it's normal if your awareness starts to focus on different sounds, particularly if something is distracting, like somebody drops a hammer or a glass or a baby starts crying. Normal. If you notice that happening, just allow, again, awareness to expand back out throughout the aural field to include all of the sounds equally, all at the same time. Now, in addition to the sounds, paying close attention to the quality of silence within the aural field. There's always a backdrop of silent space. Doesn't matter if we're in rush hour in Times Square or in downtown Tokyo, there's always a backdrop of silence. And so, in the meditation practice, allow your awareness to really uh, notice the silence in between the thought, in between the sounds, rather. We'll get to the silence in between the thoughts in a moment. But for now, just noticing the silent space in between the sounds. And it might sound as if, it might seem rather as if that silence surrounds the entire present moment. So, at this point in the meditation, ideally experiencing all of the breath, all of the body, all of the sounds and the silence equally, all at the same time. And again, you'll notice distractions coming and going normal. Just rest back into the practice, coming back to the breath, the body, the sounds and the silence. Now then there's the challenge of the thinking mind, right? Because we all know that the mind wants to be jumping from thought to thought to thought to thought to thought to thought to thought. Many contemplative circles, they call that the monkey mind. Because it's jumping from vine to vine to vine to thought to thought to thought throughout the jungle of the mind. So the technique that I like to offer and that I use personally in my own practice is that whenever you notice you're distracted by your thoughts, just say the word thinking to yourself. And what you've done there is you've labeled the thinking process because when you're distracted by your thoughts, that is a state of unawareness. And now by labeling it, you're bringing a state of awareness to the unawareness, and they can't coexist. So the awareness cancels out the unawareness, so to speak. So you've brought the light of awareness in, that thought will dissolve. Then you come back to the breath, wherever we are in the practice, the body, the sound rest there. Then probably another thought's coming up right after that. That's normal. Thinking, that thought will dissolve. Then probably very quickly another thought's coming up right after that. That's normal. Thinking, that thought will dissolve. 
So I'll just give a little example of what that might look like. So let's say you're, we've started the practice, you're feeling the breath, feeling the body, I'm sorry, feeling the breath at the nose, the breath at the back of the throat, noticing the rib cage, the clothing moving with the breath and so forth. And then there's a thought. Oh, wow, I'm glad I'm finally starting to meditate. This is going to be really good for me. I'm, my brother likes to meditate. I wonder what my brother's doing these days. I should call my brother. Oh, I'm thinking. That thought will dissolve. And probably another thought's coming up. And tomorrow I'm going to go have lunch with my friend. And well, maybe we should try that new sushi restaurant. Oh, yeah, my sister really likes sushi. I haven't talked to my sister in weeks. I should call my sister. I wonder how she... Oh, thinking. That thought will dissolve. And probably another thought's coming up right after that. Normal. Thinking, that thought will dissolve. Now the thing to start to realize is that there's a gap. There's a space in between the one thought that came up, dissolved, and the next thought that's coming up, there's a gap. And as one of my favorite teachers likes to say, that gap might be just fine enough to get a hair through, but it's there. And that's the important part, to notice that space in between the thoughts. Because the, the more we start to notice that space, the more evident that space becomes, the wider the space starts to become like that. And that's how we bring a sense of peace, a sense of stillness to the mind through meditation. See, the stillness, the peace, the silence of the mind, it's always there. But again, it's just covered up with all of the thinking. So as we slowly begin to part the thoughts, the silence begins to emerge from that part like that. So don't get discouraged by the amount of thoughts you might have. It's normal for people to have a lot of thoughts. People tell me all the time, oh, Chris, I can't meditate. My mind is too active. It'll never work. Hogwash. Never met somebody who can't meditate. It's just noticing that the mind is active. That's meditation. So that's the success. You've turned around, you've looked at the mind, you say, wow, it's really active in there. That's meditation. Let that thought go. Come back to the present moment. Like that. Each time you get distracted by a thought, you say, thinking, come back to the present moment. Each time you do that, it's like you're lifting weights. You're strengthening the muscle of awareness and attention. You're lifting the awareness barbell, strengthening the muscles of awareness and attention. And with that cultivated strength in awareness and attention, the space in between the thoughts gets a little bit easier to sense, a little more obvious, like that. So getting discouraged by the amount of thoughts that you have in your mind is like going to the gym and getting discouraged with the amount of weights there are on the floor. You wouldn't do that. It would be silly to go to the gym and say, oh, what are all these weights doing here? Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Same thing. You come to meditation. What are, what are all these thoughts doing here? That's great. That's your workout. That's your opportunity. Each thought is an opportunity to get a little bit stronger with your awareness, with your attention. Each time you let that thought go, doing that rep with that barbell, it's going to get a little bit easier, incrementally easier, to begin to sense the space in between the thoughts, like that. So just to know that the amount of thoughts you have, if it's a lot of thoughts, it's a little thoughts, it's all a part of the meditation practice.
This meditation can be done with the eyes open or closed. Open eye meditation is an actual stage in the meditation practice, and we'll get to that stage uh, later on down the road. Uh, although that stage is outlined in my book, Such Sweet Thunder. So if you're interested, uh, do take a look at the book. It is available on this website, uh, suchsweetthunder.org. The way I give meditation uh, instructions uh, it can be done seated in any posture. You don't have to sit in a lotus position on the floor. You can use a chair. I do recommend being as comfortable as possible. Now, um, I don't recommend lying down, however, because lying down, it's easy for the mind to get foggy. You might fall asleep and so forth. So. So uh, not ideal, at least not for a beginning practice. And I think that's all I want to say here. Um, enjoy meditation. If you have any questions or comments, please do feel free to email me. Uh, my website uh, has the email address on it. And uh, enjoy. May all benefit. Thank you. If I can ring the bell here.